I would get mad at my parents when I was four years old and I would say, well, I'm just gonna run away to Texas. And then I would go into my bedroom and I remember my dad would say, is that where Texas is? And interestingly enough, I'm gonna tell you the story later today in this sermon of how I went to Texas <laughs> when, I grew, when I grew up. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the reflections of all our hearts be the kinds that give us life, that we may know you and that we may follow you. And we give you thanks. Amen. On the run. Jonah is on the run. At least for now, kind of indefinitely. At least for now, with no end in sight, except potentially his own end. He ends up in danger in the midst of this terrible storm. And then, of course, worse, at least seemingly for now, he ends up in the belly of a large fish. Not great. <laughs> How's your morning run going this morning, Jonah? Running. I wonder what he thought he might be running toward. I wonder what he thought he might be running from. When we're on the run, running from calling, running from responsibility, running from fear, running from possibility, running from vitality, running from wholeness. These seem to be good questions, but honestly, sometimes we don't know. We don't know what we're running toward. We don't know what we're running from. We're just running. There are certainly times when we need to run from danger and what is harmful to us. And su support for anyone who may feel this or who has felt it. Someone who knows this and knows it now. Someone who needs companions on the journey. We want to be here for you if you feel that. But sometimes we also run from what is good for us. Whole for us. Grounding for us and connecting for us. And we run from what is faithful for us. We sense a calling. Maybe it's just a glimmer, or maybe it resounds obviously like a bullhorn. Go, and we do not want to do it. It makes us uncomfortable, it makes us uneasy. It calls us to stretch ourselves toward loving people we'd rather not love. It calls us to take on risk we'd rather not take. On the run. Jonah is on the run. Now, here's something I love about the book of Jonah. It's so satirical. You're going to discover that in four chapters. It's completely over the top. And in some places, it's wonderfully snarky, too. Biblical scholars believe all of this to be intentional. It's a satirical story, dramatic and theatrical. And at the very same time, 
it speaks right into a human experience that might be universal. We have stories of running, too. We have stories of struggling, too. We have stories of inner conflict, too. As that Bob Marley song says, you're running and you're running and you're running away. You're running and you're running, but you can't run from yourself. So in this story, Jonah ends up in the belly of a large fish. Sometimes we say it's a whale. And he cannot run anymore. He has nowhere to run in that, inside that fish. He can't run from himself. The story, of course, also aims to share that he can't run away from God either. It's not that God will force Jonah to do the calling that he is currently shirking. But God won't give up on Jonah either. Now, we could look at this story and view God as kind of capricious, endangering people through a storm out of anger or truly needing some kind of sacrifice to calm down all of that divine rage. But really, above all, I think this is a story of God journeying with us when we want to do the opposite. Run away from God in conflict and run away from the neighbors that God is calling us to love. God keeps journeying with us even in the most creative of ways, even in the belly of a large fish. Because the calling we're receiving, difficult though it may be for us, may also be for our benefit. It may also be for our growth and our wholeness. As Dr. Michael Jenkins, one of my seminary professors, used to say, there are some people for whom God must say, the only way to save this one is to make a preacher out of them. And there are a lot of ways to be a preacher, by the way. So just because I'm the one up here wearing a robe and a stole doesn't mean that couldn't also be you. <laughs> Maybe our calling is saving us. So that when we find ourselves in conflict with God and our neighbors and in our own internal world, maybe that beckoning call to go, act, do, and love is also a calling to turn around and live more fully, even if it stretches us, even if it invites risk. God doesn't give up on Jonah. God helps Jonah turn around, and God keeps beckoning and keeps summoning with that calling. Interestingly enough, the calling is to go to the city of Nineveh, the capital of Assyria, the prime city in an empire that will take the Israelites captive in the eighth century. It is to beckon a call for them to repent. And in its most literal form, the word repent means to turn around, turn direction. Jonah has a calling to journey with Nineveh toward turning around. 
and now in the belly of a giant fish, God journeys with Jonah and turns him around. There are some people for whom God must say, the only way to save this one is to make a preacher out of them. The calling is for Jonah's benefit too. When I think of a calling for my benefit, and along with it, a sense that I was in the presence of something larger than myself, I have a moment that comes to mind. You might have moments that come to mind too. For me, I think about a field in a small village or town called Marktoberdorf in Germany. I think about how on one particular day, I marched to this field in a huff of anger and conflict. Conflict with God, conflict with what was internal to myself, and how I departed from this day with a sense of reassurance and wonder. And I didn't expect any of it, but it is what I needed. At age 23, I was on the verge of more than one life transition. It was a pretty big whirlwind of sorts. I was spending 20 days in Germany with the Cardinal Singers. This was a choir I had performed and traveled with the last few years from the University of Louisville, which is where I went. And with gratitude, we had been invited to participate in these prestigious competitions, most especially the Mark Doberdorf Chamber Choir Competition. It was a big deal. And when I returned home, which was, which was for me Southern Indiana, more of a whirlwind, 10 days later, I would get married. And soon after that, I would move across the country to Austin, Texas. See, I ran away to Texas. And that would be the first time I had moved from home. I chose this. I'm the one who applied to seminary. I loved choosing this seminary. But suddenly on this Germany trip, I struggled mightily with this move. I knew I had to do it. There was no turning back, but I did not want to do it. I didn't. What was I thinking? I kind of panicked. I was also angry. I wasn't ready to leave my friends, especially these people in this choir. We had created something incredible together over the last few years, and I didn't know yet what happens when people move across the country. Do these kinds of friendships continue, or was I just throwing that away? And I was not ready to leave my church community. I had such a rich sense of belonging there. They became family to me in the most tangible way, truly. I have lots of stories I could share with you about that. And they had gotten me through so much. I didn't know yet. What happens when people move across the country? Will I miss them too much? Will I miss out on too much? So during a break in rehearsals, I departed for some time alone, and I was infuriated about having to make these choices, potentially about losing so much. So with deep frustration, I walked this pathway that was becoming increasingly familiar to me. It was paved, but often cracked it was a small road with these gorgeous trees on either side, lining the whole way down. And those trees with their vivid green leaves 
took up this space on this long walkway that was about a mile down the road. And that is where everything opened up. I had discovered this pathway about a week before and walked it many times since. And the first time, I did not expect this opening in the pathway, though each successive time was still pretty stunning to me. The shift was this. The road of trees suddenly opened to unexpected views, and the Alps were in the distance on the right. And then a large, expansive field of wildflowers was on the left. So on this day, I was less interested in these, gorgeous though they were, at least initially, and I just wanted to be alone. So I walked and I huffed. I turned left and I stood in front of that field of wildflowers. And I don't know how to explain this. Maybe you've had a moment like this. But something shifted. And I had this experience that felt very transcendent right there in the mundane moment of it all, beautiful though it was. And how to tell this story? Because in one sense, nothing happened, <laughs> at least not externally. There was no great miracle. Nothing fell from the sky. No super supernatural action took place before my eyes. But something happened internally. Have you had an experience like this? It felt deeply spiritual. And I felt the presence of what I would call God. Yet how do I even name or describe what that means? Above all, I felt a sudden knowing. No voice fell from the sky. But if there would have been one, it would have said this. There are people in Texas you have to meet, and without them, you will not become fully yourself. I just knew that suddenly in my bones. Standing there, and quite suddenly, I then just rested in that knowledge, that knowledge I didn't understand, and the anger faded away. And I trusted that I would be okay and that it would be okay, even a gift to the ones I loved now, for me to become more fully who I was called to become. I knew that was calling me to Texas. I knew that was taking me to particular people in Texas. And so I went. When I lived in Texas, I thought of this experience many times. I even told the story a few times too. But I believe all of this resounded most strongly with me when I returned to Texas after the next move, which was to California. At age 30, seven years after that experience in that field, I flew from Pasadena, California, where I now lived, back to Austin, Texas, and I was returning for my ordination service. It would be held in the congregation where I did end up meeting an enormous amount of formative people in community. Well, one night before that ordination service, I was alone in the upper loft of the house where I was staying with some friends. And I thought about it all again. And then I wept with gratitude. It was overwhelming because I realized the very next day, the church would be filled with the exception of two loved ones, to a person 
in that sanctuary with people I did not know until I made that move to Texas. A whole sanctuary of people I had come to know that I didn't know before. Well, having known these people for years now, it is true, these are the kinds of people I couldn't imagine myself not knowing. Every single person and all of those people collectively, it seemed they were the fulfillment of that vision, the calling I didn't want to take, the people I needed to know, the people with whom I would grow more deeply into myself, but now they had a myriad of names attached. What a wonderful thing. This was a deep, rich love with names and stories and commitments attached. Whatever transcendence is, whomever that beyond presence is, surely this calls us with a deep sense of love toward people with names and stories and commitments attached. Sometimes the calling, even when it feels difficult, is for our benefit too. Are you on the run? Are you struggling? Are you grappling with inner conflict in relationship to God or with neighbors or within yourself? If any of that is true, God keeps journeying with you. God keeps journeying with us. God will keep that call resounding. How wonderful that God is faithful sometimes when we're not even faithful to what we are hearing. What will it take to stop the running? What will it take to turn around and follow this calling into fullness? Will it take the belly of a giant fish? <laughs> Something less dramatic, I hope. Will it take this story, this community, this worship service, this sermon, things that will happen later today? Will it take a God who holds us fast? I think it will take that. And when it does, it will be for our benefit too. <laughs> May that be, and thanks be to God. Amen.